Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and it is a victory Friday. Yes, a victory Friday. Yes, it's the preseason. Yes, it doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. And yes, we should all be excited, if not for the win, just because the Pittsburgh Steelers are back on the gridiron. They are playing games. They beat the Dallas Cowboys 16-3, and boy, is there a lot to talk about It was a late night. It was a late night for me. I don't think I got to bed until about 1 o'clock in the morning. Had to record my, oh, you're going to hear it in the second segment. I actually recorded with uh, Mr. Captain Blue Checkmark, Michael Beck himself, uh, the the verified one. Maybe that's what we call it. He's the verified one of the group. And, you know, the alarm goes off this morning. You got to get up. You got to do your diligence. You got to get to the gym. And the coffee's been brewed, and we are ready to go. I'm excited to talk about this Pittsburgh Steelers win. 16-3, to it was rather mundane at times. But at the same time, I thought it was a good win. It it wasn't exciting. <laughs> Anyone that stayed up and watched all of it knows that it was not exciting when you're punter. And trust me, I'm going to get to my boy Big Press. Don't worry about that at all. But let me also state something before we talk about Big Press. But when the punter's the most exciting player, that's funny. I, my brother sent me a text, and this was probably in the fourth quarter. He knew I was up watching the game. He knows I have to. He said, boy, this game, uh, pretty exciting, huh? I said, it's pretty bad when your rookie punter is your best player. And that's kind of the way it felt. But there were a lot of good things to glean from this game. And there were some bad. I would say there's way more good than bad. We're going to diagnose the winners and losers, which is something we do typically on a Monday after the Steelers play on a Sunday. But in this case, they played on Thursday. So we're going to do it on Friday. Nonetheless, I want to make a couple declarations. We'll put it that way. There's a lot of fans out there, and I try not to be this person. I try hard not to be this type of person that is going to get on the microphone and say, Mason Rudolph stinks, Dwayne Haskins this, Joshua Dobbs, and and it always kind of revolves around the quarterback position, and rightfully so. It is a very important position. I try not to jump to those conclusions based on the fact that it is just one game. It is just one exhibition game, and at that, it's the fourth, the first out of four, let me put it that way, the first out of four preseason games. So I'm just trying to keep things in perspective here, and I put this out on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter, at jhartman underscore P-I-T. I I, I put out there, you know, there's all these people today, and I'm recording this part of the show on Friday morning. There's all these people on Twitter today and on social media and writing articles for their own websites, whatever that website might be, and they're stating that Mason Rudolph didn't do well and Dwayne Haskins. Look, let me put it this way. 
I was in the gym this morning, and a, a good friend of mine, I've talked about him before, he's the Baltimore Ravens season ticket holder. He said, I'll tell you what, you better hope that, that Ben Roethlisberger doesn't get hurt. And he said, because Mason Rudolph stinks. And I said, wait a second. First off, you don't know what you're talking about. Second, what makes you say that? He goes, oh, that guy's awful. I watched like the first quarter, and he stinks. I said, boy, you sound like you're a Steelers fan at this point. And I told him, well, what do you expect? This is Mason Rudolph, folks. If you haven't figured it out by now, he's in year four of his rookie contract. He did get that extension. You're going to see Mason Rudolph deliver plays like the 45-yard bomb to Chase Claypool. And it's going to be beautiful. He does throw a good deep ball. And then you're going to see him throw five yards behind James Washington on a crossing route, which would have been a first down. You're going to see plays where he has a good pre-snap read, gets it to Chase Claypool on the quick out, first down, move the chains, and then you're going to see him fumble the ball in an exchange with Chase Claypool on one of their jet sweep motions that Matt Canada loves to run. He's not a finished product, but this is just who he is. At the same time, did we see enough in Thursday night's game to say that Mason Rudolph is great and is going to be the QB2 and is maybe the future? No. Did we see enough to say that Mason Rudolph stinks and should be cut or traded? No. Did we see enough from Dwayne Haskins that says he's the future heir to the throne or that he could ups- uh, unseat Mason Rudolph as the number set two quarterback on the depth chart? No. No, no, no. We didn't see anything from anyone in this game. And so when I go over winners and losers today, I don't want anyone to think that I'm saying that someone maybe on the losers list is done, that they're not going to be making the team. No one should be listening to that type of talk. No one should be saying those type of things. They still have three preseason games before they finally say, okay, we're done and we're moving on. We're getting ready for week one. Who's a part of the regular season 53-man roster? We aren't there yet, folks. It's early. It is early, and so I want you all to keep that in the back of your mind as you're going through and listening to this podcast, as you're taking in all the articles. And I tell you what, if you're not listening, to, if you're not reading BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, I'm just going to put it this way, you're missing out. Yeah, we always say it's your one-stop shop, all that stuff. That's our kind of our slogan. No, you're missing out. You're missing out on some great content. For instance, at 11 o'clock today, Eastern Time, AM, our own uh, Kevin Smith did a tremendous film room breakdown on how Matt Canada and the offensive line had a great debut for the Steelers. Go check it out. My goodness, learn something about the game. He's the one to do it. He has an unbelievable experience and wealth of knowledge. Very few have when it comes to the game of football, so check that out. And then also, if you're missing some of the other podcasts we're doing, like for instance, the post-game show is our prob- probably our most popular show that we do because everyone wants to hear our thoughts on the game. Last night was myself and Dave Schofield. Brian Anthony Davis was having some technical difficulties, so it was just Dave and I. We broke down the game. Get that on our podcast platform as well as Michael Beck's recap of the Mike Tomlin post-game press conference. Check it out. It's all wherever you get your podcast, search dealers or behind the steel curtain so that you do not miss a thing. All right, so this podcast is going to be about the winners and losers. And again, take it with a grain of salt. There are some things that we can definitely glean from these players. There's also some things that we can kind of say it was bad, but it's not lost. It's not a foregone conclusion that they're going to stink forever, if you know what I mean. But let's start with the winners. My first winner is Alex Highsmith. Listen to this stat line, folks. Three total tackles. He had two solo, one sack, two tackles for loss, and one quarterback hit. I think it's safe to say that when the Steelers signed Melvin Ingram right before training camp started, there there were some fans that thought it was like a shot across the bow at Alex Highsmith. 
And whether it was or whether it wasn't, that's really up to, it's up to debate. Whether you think it is or isn't, that's neither here nor there. But Highsmith's first action of his second NFL professional season, I thought it was impressive. Highsmith, he had, yeah, he might have been going against second or third string players. We're talking about backups, but I'll tell you what, he looked like a starter going against lesser players. It reminds me when I was a coach. We would play teams in the early portions of the season that weren't any good. We would scrimmage against teams that just weren't that great. We'd be in play days or like, you know, where you're going and you're getting like four or five games in a day. And we would play against some really bad teams. And I would always tell my players, when I put you out there, if you're so much better, I want you to dominate the the competition. I want you to make it look like we're not even on the same level here. That's what Alex Highsmith did. So, yeah, he was going against some backup tackles, and he also made them look pretty silly. He made them look pretty silly. So that's a good step forward. I think if this is just the beginning for Highsmith, the Steelers' pass rush, pass rush will be just fine. The next winner, you know I have to talk about him. I don't. I could have put him as the first one, but I didn't. I had to restrain myself, and that's big press. Big press, my boy Presley Harvin. Four punts, 45.8-yard average. He had three inside the 20. He was one yard away from having three inside the 10, and he had a 51-yard long punt. I mean, was there a punt more beautiful than his punt that seemed to bounce three times and stay at the one yard line it was it was an exciting debut for Presley Harvin I'm going to try to curb my excitement here I'm going to try my best but you know the Steelers have been looking for a long-term punter for a long time and I think that he did a tremendous job in his debut I'm not here to say that he's going to stick around forever I'm not even going to say he's going to beat out Jordan Berry yet just yet he has to do it again but the one thing that I was really focusing on with Presley Harvin wasn't his kicking it was not his kicking. I did watch Aubrey punt. I got really excited. I screamed like it was a touchdown when he pinned the, the Dallas Cowboys at the one-yard line. But my main concern with Harvin isn't kicking. It's his holding ability. He wasn't the full-time holder in college. People don't realize that. And some had suggested that he kind of he, he was lacking in that area. I thought Harvin did a good job holding, even though Sam Sloman kicked the ball all over the stadium not always through the uprights. I thought he did a good job holding. It was a great debut for Presley Harvin. Another great debut, even though his stat line was a little meh, is Najee Harris. Seven carries, 22 yards, a 3.1-yard average, and a six-yard long. His last run, I believe, was like a minus four. He got hit in the backfield, lost four yards. If he didn't have that carry, would have been would have changed those numbers significantly. But his stat line wasn't anything to write home about. But what I saw was a player who looked like he belonged, a player who jumped off the screen when he had the ball in his hands. Every time he touched the football, and all of this was behind an offensive line, which was anything but who's likely to start in week one. And think about it. I mean, the only player that is right now projected to be a starter at the position is Kendrick Green, the center. Other than that, everyone else is going to be different. But you know what? I thought it was a good start for Harris didn't get hurt or anything like that. Hopefully it's a springboard for his future success in 2021. Next winner, Chase Claypool, three receptions, 62 yards, four targets, 45 yard long. It Claypool, he did do a gator arm. He gator armed it. If anyone doesn't know what that is, it's when you're going across the middle and there's a pass that you kind of got to really stretch out for and you see, feel that safety coming down in the box and you know you're going to get hit. You gator arm it, you kind of bring those arms in like, like an alligator and he ended up dropping it. He did Gator Armour pass on third down, and that wasn't the best look, but I think he made up for it with that 45-yard catch he laid out, made the catch, looked like the kind of might have landed on the football, wind got knocked out of him. Um, still, hey, if, if Highsmith, who's entering into year two, looks more polished 
and a more complete player, so did Claypool. And I think he has the look of a dominant receiver. And if you have Chase Claypool, who is distracting defenses that much, that means that Deontay Johnson, that means that Juju Smith-Schuster, they're going to have more one-on-ones, and I like those matchups a lot. Another winner, believe it or not, was the offensive line. I just alluded to the offensive line. They did surrender a sack. That sack was a... A Josh Dobbs scramble where he did not get past the line of scrimmage. Therefore, it is ruled as a sack. It was not a situation where they ever had pressure coming from the middle or the edges, and the quarterback was taken down. So that sack does necess- technically go against the, the offensive line, but it wasn't an, the, your you know typical sack. We'll put it that way. They had six, six, 76 yards rushing, 175 yards passing. Look, somebody look at this offensive line and, and, the, and say, they're on the winner's list? Really? What? I think the offensive line, which let, let's talk about the players. It consisted of Dan Moore Jr. at left tackle, B.J. Finney at left guard, Kendrick Green at center, Rashad Coward at right guard, and Joe Haig at right tackle. I thought they did an above-the-line job, as Mike Tama would say, above the line. They protected the quarterback, but I thought not only was there a commitment to the run, but the line was actually getting some push. I mean, for everything that we've heard about Adrian Clem and being aggressive and that, that nasty nature it was on display, and it was glorious. I felt like in the movie Old School when uh, Will Ferrell is talking about, I see blue, he looks glorious. It's what it felt like when I was watching the running game, and they started to actually get things turning around. And this is with backups, folks, so keep that in mind. It can only go up from here. That's my personal opinion. Next winner, Kalen or Callan Balage. I got the last name right. I don't know how to say his first name. He had five carries, 19 yards, 3.8 average, and one touchdown. Look, this guy, Balage, has been receiving a lot of – boy, they've been pumping him up throughout minicamp, OTAs, and then obviously training camp. And one of the reasons is that I'm pretty sure the Steelers, they put all the running back drills right below the balcony – for the press, probably so they get a good look at Najee Harris. And what everyone keeps writing about, I mean, Najee Harris is kind of like a freak, but Balaj was really impressing. And with Benny Snow out of the lineup, he's taken advantage of it. He's not a super fast guy, but he's shown the ability to get tough yards, and nothing that was evident on the four- to five-yard run that he had his touchdown on. He's not a guy that you're going to hope to see significant carries, but when he does get the ball, maybe it's short yardage or something like that. You think that he's at least good enough to get the job done. I thought he did a great job. Mike Tomlin did say he left with an injury. We'll talk about that in a second. But nonetheless, I thought uh, Balaj, Balaj, gosh darn it, I mispronounced his name again. Balaj, like the Bellagio in Vegas. Um, I thought he did a good job. He's on the winner's list. Next winner, Buddy Johnson, rookie, inside linebacker. Only had one total tackle, one solo. But, you know, one of the disappointments for me with this Pittsburgh Steelers team on Thursday night was the inside linebacker play. I just didn't think it was that good. And they left a lot to be desired, but the rookie from Texas A&M was one of the few defenders who I felt jumped off the screen. His stat line doesn't scream winner. It was good to see him all over the field. He was always around the football. At worst, I thought Johnson showed he has the potential to not just be quality depth, but maybe, just maybe, promise for like a future starter. If it happens in 2021, that would be outstanding. But I think, if anything, you're looking at 2022, 2023. This is a guy that could be playing against alongside Devin Bush for a long time, so it's really good. Last winner, the injury report. They avoided major injury, so knock on wood, that was tremendous. Mike Tomlin did talk about Balaj suffering a lower body injury, and he was going to be evaluated. Other than that, Tomlin said it was just bumps and bruises associated with the game of football. I love to hear that. No one wants to hear 
especially in Canton. That the last time the Steelers were there, the turf was awful, and that was when Sean Sweesham tore his ACL and ended his career essentially. So good job avoiding that major injury. Let's go to losers. Three of them. Marcus Allen is first. He had two total tackles, two solo, and one pass defense. And look, I understand that stat line might not be that bad, but this is a guy that was a veteran playing against fourth, fifth, sixth, you know, depth on the depth chart players. We're talking backups to backups to backups. And boy, did he just look underwhelming. I mean, he looked like a rookie taking bad angles, missing opportunities. It just wasn't good. Now, I understand that he might be considered a linebacker now and not a safety. Right now, he doesn't look like either. And I understand that there's a lot of people out there that are wanting to write off players. I'm not writing him off. I think he's just going to have to really fix some things throughout the remaining games of the preseason if he wants to make the roster. Right now, it's going to be an uphill battle. Marcus Allen didn't do very well, in my opinion, on Thursday night. And To be the next loser is, is more general, the linebackers in general. Ulysses Gilbert III, Robert Spillane, already talked about Allen. They didn't put their best foot forward. We'll put it that way. Maybe it was a lack of game planning. Maybe it was the fact there were few starters on the field. Uh, whatever the reason, the Steelers' linebacker depth doesn't look as great as it once did, at least for now. The good, the only positive is the only winner that I had from the inside linebackers. That's Buddy Johnson. He's an inside linebacker. I thought he played well. I thought he played very well. Final loser before we take a break. The lack of aggressiveness on offense. I've, I'm sorry, but there were times where I'm, I'm watching this game. It's boring. There's a lot of passes on the perimeter outside the hash mark. There's a lot of checkdowns by Dwayne Haskins. And I'm thinking to myself, why won't they just dial up some passes down the middle? I know it's more complex than that. I know it's not just Matt Canada. Like it's This isn't super tech mobile where you're picking a certain pass play and that's it. He is... Going through his, as an offensive coordinator, what's the defense doing? I'm going to counter with this. I understand that. I would just like to see them try, at least attempt. I don't care if they turn it over. Attempt to turn the, to get the middle of the field, those intermediate passes. It doesn't always have to be a deep shot, but I'd love to see them work the middle. And maybe that'll change once Pat Fryermuth, who didn't play because of the shoulder injury, or Eric Ebron return. That those are the players that you're going to want to attack down the seam. Maybe that'll change. I'm going to hold out hope, but I hope that you know this is just Matt Canada doesn't want to show too much in a meaningless preseason game. But uh, you know we don't want to turn into Randy Feetner 2.0. No one wants that. All right, folks. I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we're going to hear from Mister Mister Captain Checkmark Verified Guy. That's Michael Beck, our deputy editor. We'll be right back after this break, and stay tuned after that for a heart to heart. Stay tuned. Thank you. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment. I have not thought of a name for this yet, so it's just my conversation with Captain Blue Checkmark. That is none other than Mr. Verified, Mr. Michael Beck, the deputy editor. What's up, Michael? How's it going? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm kind of hoping to change the nickname to Mr. Captain Blue Checkmark. I feel like uh, formalities are important in this case. I had, did I not say Mr.? You, you did, but not for the, the Captain uh, Blue Checkmark <laughs> part. I, I, I wanted to add that on. Mr. Verified Captain Blue Checkmark. There you yeah, go. There it is. It's a typical Friday. If you, in case you missed last Friday, it's going to be an every Friday thing. 
And the Pittsburgh Steelers on Thursday night were victorious 16 to three, Michael, but I've been asking everyone, everyone sees the game differently. You know, you're a former player. I didn't play at the college level like Dave Schofield. He coached the offensive line, played the offensive line. Give me a couple of takeaways. It can be positive or negative. Let's start with the, let's start with the negative first. Give me some things that you did not like about the Steelers on either side of the football Thursday night against the Cowboys. Okay. So the first kind of key takeaways um, offensively, I, I didn't like how they didn't uh, try to throw the ball down the field more, uh, try to make uh, some bigger plays by the, uh, pushing the secondary back. Of course, there was that one big completion of Chase Claypool, and I know Dwayne Haskins attempted one, but those were kind of on the sidelines. I kind of wanted to see them attack the middle of the field uh, a little bit deeper at, at the very least. Defensively, I just don't think the consistency was there. We were kind of bailed out by uh, some pretty terrible kicking play, uh, thanks to the uh, Dallas Cowboys side. But uh, aside from that, I would have liked to see them actually finish off drives uh, on third down, especially those third and longs that they gave up. Of course, there's the, the penalty to Isaiah Bugs and uh, Justin Lane got burnt. Uh, oh, it's, it's kind of normal for him, but uh, it, it, ha- it happened on a couple of occasions. So that's my buddy. That's my yeah, buddy. Oh, Justin Lane. Your best friend. Your best friend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so from that sense, I was kind of a uh, kind of caught me uh, off guard, I guess, uh, in in one direction. But uh all in all, I, I think it was a pretty good game for the team, considering uh, it's a, the first action that they've they've had in a long time, especially for those kind of depth players. They didn't have a preseason last year, so considering the so the slow start, I think that was uh, to be expected. But I, I think they kind of turned it on when it was, when it mattered, and uh, obviously took care of business with the win. Okay, so let's flip the script. We talked about the negative, but what about the good? And you know, I'm I'm, I'm a teacher, and they always say when you talk to a parent, always finish on the good. So let's finish on the good. What were some things that might have been pleasant surprises for you on Thursday night? First and foremost, the offensive line looked aggressive across the board. Uh, A little bit of pressure here and there, but mostly coming from blitzes, but I thought they picked up stunts well. Uh, These are depth guys too, so that was really nice. I think Adrian Clem's fingerprints are already all over this, so that's exciting. I think this offensive line, if if this is what we're getting from the reserves, I'm, I'm excited to see what we can get out of the starters, so that was huge. I also really liked what the edge rushers did on the defensive side of the football. Pretty much everyone not named Cassius Marsh, I thought, had an excellent game. Uh, Marsh, of course, he kind of had that coverage sack fall into his lap, but not the not the best game out of him. But, uh, of course, getting that sack tally uh, kind of turns everyone's eyes in your direction. Uh, I also did like that they forced a couple turnovers. That was huge. And, of course, Trey Norwood coming with, up with the block. I think we also have to talk about special teams because that was probably the highlight of the game. Before we get to our favorite player, Shakur Brown needs a <laughs> shout out. Uh, three consecutive tackles on uh, on kickoff coverage, uh, as well as forcing a holding penalty when uh, his uh, blocker just got so frustrated he bear hugged him. So that was huge. I think Shakur Brown, if he can do that in every single preseason game, will have a good shot of making this team. But Presley Harvin, the third man. Was that the best punting performance in Steelers history? I know it was a preseason game, but my goodness, that was remarkable. I I normally don't pay that close attention to punting. Uh, mm. Punters are punting is typically you only notice it when it's bad, and <laughs> yep. it, you sometimes do notice it when it's really good. And that was really good. And I was kind of I don't know I was nervous. I have nothing to do with this game, but I was hoping he played well. I've put all of my eggs in this kid's basket since the day he was drafted, and everyone that listens to my podcast knows that I have done that. And so I was like, gosh, I'm going to look like a 
freaking fool if this guy doesn't come out here and at least put together some big punts and man, he came through in the clutch. It was awesome to see. Uh, he's going to have to continue to do it. I was more concerned with holding. And when mm. Sloman was missing kicks, I actually rewound the tape and I was looking at it and I was like, okay, was it a good snap? Was it a good hold? And every single time, maybe the ball, I don't know if Sloman likes it angled a certain way, but when it comes to laces out and, you know, talking about like Ray Finkel and laces <laughs> out and you're talking about, you know, it's, it's not bobbled, it's on time, everything looks smooth. And so I was making sure I wasn't getting, you know, any heat from my Presley Harvin pump, you know, pump up parade, but it was great, man. It was great. It was good to see. Hopefully he can keep that up. My question for you though, Michael, not to, I don't want to spend too much time on big press. What do you <laughs> oh, think no. about the whole show? The <laughs> whole show by seriously. All means. What do you think about the quarterbacks? I mean, you kind of touched on a couple of them, you know, with the deep passes and the things that you said in that, in that regard, what do you think about it in terms of, is there actually a competition for quarterback two? If so, does Mike Tomlin change up the the order of events? And so, and what I mean by that is, does he, you know, put Dwayne Haskins as the first guy in after if Ben Roethlisberger plays or something like that? How do you think that gets handled moving forward? I, I don't know if this is going to make me a big fan amongst Steeler fans, but I think Mason Rudolph was probably the best quarterback out there today when it comes to like the, those statistics that kind of sh- goes to show what he was able to do. Uh, had a really good pass rating. I believe it was 15 points higher than Dwayne Haskins, a higher complete, completion percentage, more yards on less attempts. So I, I still think Mason Rudolph is, is the, the guy at number two right now, but Dwayne Haskins, his arm, his arm strength really was uh, jumped off the page to me. Uh, that was uh, that was that was huge. Uh, I, I need to see that out of him. I, I, we, I think we need to see him be more aggressive, though, uh, especially if he wants to really make this a competition. I, I know Mason Rudolph gets hate for even the smallest mistake because of his history. So I get that. But I also want to touch on Josh Dobbs, who Mike Tomlin specifically pointed to him and said in years past, there's been quarterback competitions where we haven't talked about Josh Dobbs, but he still makes a team. Uh, referencing Landry Jones, Mason Rudolph, and uh, Josh Dobbs, I believe it would have been 2018, I think it was, uh, where Josh Dobbs stayed on the roster. They, they punted Landry Jones in favor of Josh Dobbs. So uh, with Mike Tallman pointing that out, I, I think there's a chance that Josh Dobbs will have a fighter's uh, puncher's chance at least of uh, – being that number three guy. So I, I think there, there really is a competition, uh, whether or not it's for the QB two spot or QB three. I, I think that's uh, remains to be seen. The thing that gets me, I'm a, I was excited to just see what Dwayne Haskins could do. He looked cautious with the football, put it that way. He did not want to take the risk. You could see a couple of times he was looking down the field, down the middle of the field. And you just don't want to make that bad play and put yourself in a hole in this competition. I get it. But at some point, and this is just my, this has always been my thing. And you go back to 2018, Landry Jones would play some, and then he would rotate between Rudolph and Dobbs as to who would get in next. I want to see Dwayne Haskins actually get a look with some of those better players. Mason Rudolph was throwing passes to Deontay Johnson, James Washington, although he didn't connect, Chase Claypool. And then when Dwayne Haskins gets in the game, who's he throwing passes to? Matthew Sexton, Kevin Rader, and I don't know, Rico, what, what is it, Bussy? Bussy, <laughs> whatever yeah. it is. I mean, it's just, it's not the same. And not to mention the offensive line is different. If this is a genuine competition, in my opinion, you're going to see 
Tomlin say, do what I just said. And that is we need to give Haskins an opportunity to show what he can do with better players. The question I have for you next is, would it look any different in your opinion if Haskins did get a chance with better players? I, obviously, I think it would. Um, having those more talented guys, if you have Chase Claypool on the field, there, there's only so many 6'4", 4'4", guys in the NFL. So that's going to help. Um, I, I think as the weeks go on, we're going to see exactly what you did say. Uh, the quarterbacks kind of switching up their rotation while kind of the, the depth pieces around them kind of stay the same. Uh, in terms of rotation, just the quarterback uh, positioning will be different. So I, I think we will see these guys um, kind of rotating around, seeing uh, seeing if they work with, with the top guys better and, and what have you, whether or not they might struggle against uh, the better corners. Uh, of course, that we'll see um, when games kick off. But as we get deeper in the preseason here, like guys like Juju Smith-Schuster should get some playing time. Hopefully Pat Fryermuth and Eric Ebron get healthy. So there will be more opportunities to uh, be throwing to these better pass catchers, but with it comes the better, uh, better secondaries, better defenses. Um, so to a degree, it does matter, but uh, in, on the same coin, they are playing against worse defensive players. Um, but as long as they still get those opportunities to try to uh, play with a number of different guys, I think that's where uh, the, really the root of the competition comes down to. So hopefully Haskins gets a couple snaps with the ones and hopefully he gets them as early as next week. Yeah. Now you are on Twitter as much as I am during games and Steelers Twitter was a buzz. Uh, it, the hot takery was just, boy, it was thriving. <laughs> and you know, I'm used to the we the Steelers should trade Benny Snell to the Rams for a first round pick. Like that would ever happen. Anyways, yeah. there was a good one. I was like, I'm gonna ask Michael about this. Someone said on Twitter, again, this is all based off of Kevin Raider's pancake block on the on the Bellage touchdown. They said, What if they kept Raider, Gentry, and Fryermuth and cut Ebron or traded Ebron? And I was like, wow. I'm going to ask Michael about that. What do you think about that hot take? You know what? That is interesting because it did pop into my mind for a second, but it would fit the system way better. Like Eric Ebron is not a blocker and that's what the system thrives on. And it, it never made any sense when they signed him to begin with, except for the fact that he came way cheaper than anyone expected. The problem is though, they added all those void years to his deal this offseason. I think that might throw a wrench into things. I'm not sure if they cut him all of a sudden, all this money comes back onto the books this year or how that works. So I, I think contractually, that's a bit of a bit of a hurdle they'd have to jump. Eric Ebron, he's really just a big wide receiver. Um, I, we saw him struggle so much trying to block last year. And all these reports coming out that Zach Gentry has been one of the best tight ends in camp, especially when it comes to blocking. Kevin Rader putting guys on their butts. Pat Farmuth catching everything and then holding his own in all these drills. Of course, he's out injured today, but still those three guys are probably what fit the offense better. So if that's the, the group the Steelers go with, I wouldn't be surprised by it, but there might be some financial repercussions on this year if uh, they gave Eric Ebron the ax. So hopefully they could find, figure out a way to trade him. I, I don't, I don't really know if there's any value there either, but the fit has just never really made much sense since day one. Yeah, that was just one of those weird things where I was like, well, actually, that doesn't, that doesn't, that's not too crazy. That's not, you know, Benny Snell for a first round picks crazy. <laughs> but uh, okay, the next time we talk will actually be after the next game, the Eagles game. What do you want to see? This is the last topic before I let you go. What did you want to see the Steelers improve upon? And let's assume that Ben Roethlisberger is still not going to play. 
in that week one preseason game. I figure he's not going to play until the week two, which is the third game for the Steelers. But if he's not going to play, what do you want to see improve in any way, shape or form for the Steelers next week when they go to Philly? Oh, that's a good question. I I think offensively, I want to see them try to establish the run a little bit more. I I think they're pretty successful at it uh, today, but uh, nothing really kind of eye popping. They're able to uh, turn the chains over, but some bigger plays, that would be nice. So that would be more uh, double team blocking, getting off to the second level and allowing the running backs to uh, hit the secondary before they get touched. That would be huge, uh, especially if they're able to uh, kind of get on that sort of chemistry level before we even get to week one. That would be really nice. De- defensively, I think the big one is just the, the defensive backs covering better. Uh, they got burned a ton of times, as well as the inside linebackers with, with the, the old problem of uh, being out on slots and running backs, just getting picked apart. I, I'm very worried about Spillane and uh, UG3. Like I, I'm almost at the point where I'm, where I'm thinking to myself, could Buddy Johnson be the starter in week one? Because <laughs> he was the other linebacker that uh, good. looked the best. Good. So, yeah. Ho- hopefully, those problems can uh, end when Devin Bush hits the field. But uh, I, I want to see those uh, those second level players on the defense cover a little bit better. That is uh, really the key to uh, the end of this preseason. And obviously, uh, once we hit the regular season, they better have that ironed out. Absolutely. Well, Michael, Mr. Captain Blue Checkmark, I thank you very much for your time. Hope you enjoy your weekend. I'll see you next week, man. Take it easy. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Uh, Pleasure is always coming on. And uh, thanks for all the Ryder Die crew uh, still hanging out, not tanking the ratings with me on here. (laughs) Never, never, man. All right. And a big thanks to Michael Beck for taking the time on Thursday night to join me to recap the game and talk about all that. I want to finish this up on Friday with my heart to heart like I always do. And what I want to tell Steeler fans is kind of the way I started the show. I understand that it's the first action of the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2021. It was a nationally televised game. It was against the Dallas Cowboys. Don't tell me it doesn't mean anything. We all know that means something. Don't draw too much into this game, especially when you're talking about, I mean, think about this, okay? Think about on offense. On offense, you're looking at no Ben Roethlisberger, Four out of five players on the offensive line are not projected starters. The wide receiving core of Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool, they didn't play that much. No Ebron, no Fryermuth. It was just the bare bones. Okay, just the bare bones. On defense, the only projected starters, you had Robert Spillane, you had Cam Sutton, and you would probably say that Alex Highsmith would be a starter as well. So when everyone wants to jump to conclusions about this game, about these performances, and I know that I just ran off all the winners and losers. That's not what this is about. When I look, when I think about that, I want to say that you know when I mention a winner or I mention a loser, it is based solely on their performance in this particular game. And I tried to keep it from a very individual. I tried to keep an individual mindset. What I mean by that is I tried not to generalize the entire defense based on the fact that Keith Butler doesn't have T.J. Watt out there. He didn't have Stephon Tuitt, Cam Hayward, Tyson Alulu, Devin Bush, Minka Fitzpatrick, Terrell Edmonds, Joe Hayden. I just basically named the entire defense, people. So we're all excited. Clearly, Steeler Nation is excited. Our website, the BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, is, is literally blowing up today. It's great to see people that are back involved and in, in, you know, invested in the Steelers again. My ride-or-die crew is as loyal as they come. As loyal as they come. I'm telling you what, they are people that are just... It, it doesn't matter to them. They, they are going to be here no matter what, but it's also great to have some people coming back. And I know that that's not for everyone. Not everyone 
likes to follow the Steelers every single day of 365 days. But it's good to see some people coming back, and the Pittsburgh Steelers were able to win in the Hall of Fame game, and that's always a good start. Win and correct. Win and correct. It's always a good thing. So you know how we finished here, folks. BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Make sure you check it out. Also, wherever you get your podcasts or Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain, subscribe, follow, so you do not miss a thing. And as we always finish it out here, folks, be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great weekend. We'll be back on Monday to talk all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Take it easy. Want to know? Preseason. Here we go. Big press, my boy. All right, we'll see you. Take it easy.